In this episode of the Get More Success Show, we're speaking with someone who is the head honcho at an innovation center. Now, the recording happened in the middle of the center, so there are a few background noises. My apologies for those, but we did what we could to keep them to a minimum, but that's life in the middle of an innovation center. She's got some great ideas and great examples of how to get more success in your life. Are you ready for it? Let's go. Welcome to the Get More Success Show. He's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his wife. Let's get ready to rumble! It's showtime. 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 It's showtime. Showtime! And now, here is your host, Warwick Merry. Welcome back to another episode of the Get More Success Show with your host, Warwick Mary. Now, today, we have the CEO and Chief Mentor of the Eastern Innovation Business Centre. Please welcome Danielle Story. Welcome. Hey, thanks, Warwick. It's lovely to be here. Now, Danielle, you are the CEO and Chief Mentor of the Eastern Innovation Business Centre. Before we get too carried away, what the heck is the Eastern Innovation Business Centre? Where is it? What does it do? Tell me more about that. Well, the Eastern Innovation Business Centre is a cutting-edge innovation and uh, professional services bi- uh, space in the right smack in the middle of Mulgrave in Victoria. Uh, it's part of the Clayton and Mulgrave cluster um, of in, in the innovation precinct. Um, it was traditionally and originally uh, a, an incubator built by the city of Monash and managed by an independent not-for-profit company uh, in 1999. So it's, it's got some serious runs on the board. They've had um, in the past over well, probably close to 750 businesses stream through on site and accelerate. Uh, and then... Two years ago, they opened a brand spanking new innovation centre on the same site uh, with um, a number of zones and uh, it's just going great guns. So the brand was changed from the Monash Incubator to the Eastern Innovation Business Centre. It's currently two buildings. It has about 60 businesses on site. It's got four or 500 in the off-site community who use services, meeting rooms, um, attend training events, uh, Predominantly, it's an accelerator and space, affordable, really affordable space for uh, innovating businesses and the professional services that support them. It's the most motivating, inspiring, engaging, forward-thinking place to work. Every single day I have ball. Great. Well, well let, now we understand what, what that is. The, I want to ask you the question that I ask all of the people who I have on my show, and that is, how do you define success? How do I define success? Success is definitely a journey. It's not an end game. I've always said that. There's no end game. There's not a point in life where you think I am now successful. Success isn't a journey towards perfection. It's probably a lot easier to talk about what it isn't rather than what it is. It's probably well, a bit like love, that. really. So what is, okay. what is success and whatever's <laughs> left over that is success? Well, you know, was that the um, the principle of Sherlock Holmes, you know, um, to identify what it isn't and the last remaining thing is what it is? Yeah, sounds um, good. Yeah, it's, um, it's very much... Uh, it's it's not an end game. There's no, it's a, not a destination. It's a journey for me. Uh, it's a series of points in, of achievement in our 
or in, if I'm talking about my personal success, um, it's a series of points of achievement um, that indicate to me that I've met the plans or the goals that I've put in place. Um, and, and quite often it's not success is big picture. It's not small picture. The ability to be able to stop and look back at the big picture, take a, a bigger, I guess the trendy word is a holistic view or a view of what's happening on the whole, and then being able to see and map the points of, okay, yes, yeah, so we were trying to do that and we've achieved that, or we were attempting to do that and it didn't quite work, but we pivoted here and we successfully did that as well. So very much part of, it's very much the journey. And I hope to goodness that I've got, you know, another 50 or 60 summers of plotting my journey and, and being able to look back at the small um, marking points. I don't know that I explained that particularly well, Warwick. <laughs> no, no, but it, look, it, it raises interesting questions and, and sometimes there really is that to find out what success is. You've got to understand and, and decide what it's not. Um, so, you know, a lot of people and the people that I've spoken to have talked about how it's not financial success. There are other barriers, so, uh, other measures. So, and, and it must be interesting. Yeah, I think that's a really, but that's a relevant point if I can bring that up. You know, I was talking to a group of Monash University students the other day on how to pitch. And we talk, I talk about, Ben Lay talks about, he's a, a mentor in the centre. He teaches sales. Um, great guy. And he talks about A, B and C grade sellers. Um, C, people who sell on features and benefits. So, you know, selling on features is a is a great way to sell, but there's a better way to do it. And B class um, sellers focus on um, uh, on the benefits of what they're selling. And A grade sellers, class B, we wouldn't call it grade or or just A level um, sellers focus on value. And people value different things. So a really great salesperson will work out what somebody else values and then sell them that. And and in that room of, you know, a couple of hundred people in that lecture theatre, I ask them to think about what they value. And some people value family, some people value health. You know, they were calling out, I value um, uh, my relationships, I value uh, uh, the, um, the people around me. And not one person said money. And I said to the group, there has to be people in this room that value money and, and the achievement and the attainment of money and that's important to some people. And I think it's important that we recognise that it's important to a lot of people. And it is probably for a lot of people in their top three values. And it's got this dirty connotation. Money allows people to do things. It allows them to share things. It allows them to spread a bigger message and a bigger word. So um, for some people, money is a marker for success. Um, for me personally, I like the fact that it speaks, money speaks the same language it's inter it's identifiable um and and i can track over my life uh perhaps the points at which money might indicate success but it's certainly not one of my top it's not one of my top three values but i want to rec recognize that it is for people and i don't think that's a bad thing yeah and i think that's it's really that's a great point like it's okay if money is a measure of success like it really is okay um yeah. and as you say, everyone is different. A really good point that, that, you know, success is really determined based on those on values and understanding what's important to you. And from your perspective, how, how many of those values do you think we inherit from family or those around us where we think we should like, you know, 
maybe family's not important to you, but you should, because everyone says it. And as you know, I'm married into uh, an ethnically diverse family and, you know, family is a big value of theirs, but not so much of mine. So how much of, do you think we inherit some of these values? I think it's part of our evolution to become independent um, of our family um, or of who we started out as. I, um, I think in anything, if you consider the journey of the child or the fool, you know, whatever you want to put, the journey says that we start off attached, we start off mirroring what other people do and tell us. And then we evolve to a point of clarity and understanding what actually drives us. And then we start to think about what's possible and what we can create because the world is is primarily a creative space. And then from there, we like, create our own values or we, we well, actually, probably what we do is we step back and take a holistic view and we say, oh, I've adopted these values. <laughs> um, so absolutely in our journey as humans, we start um, adopting the values of the people around us and the family around us. Uh, and then I would hope at some stage we can take a stock and say, well, actually, I have been running with these values for a period of time, but I've evolved to a point where I've been independent and I've uncovered other things that I really enjoy or that, that light me up and therefore my values have changed and here's what they are. And this is an exercise that I did. You and I, I've got a feeling you and I might have spoken about this some time back. Um, when I was really stuck a couple of years ago, and it was only a couple of years ago, um, the, the one thing I did was a values exercise that I t now teach. And it's really simple. Um, I, literally, I went to the internet and I went to as many values, I typed values and I went to many lists of values and I cut and paste and cut and paste and I got pages and pages and pages of values and I dumped them into um, a random order. And then I went through and I just highlighted everything that appealed to me. And then I went and culled it down to 20 and culled it down to 10 and then culled, culled it down to five. and and two or three and and I was quite surprised that my values had changed um I've always I'm a bit like you I adore my family they are amazing um but family doesn't sit in my top three values um because um self-awareness sits in my top three values and having self-awareness I have the grace to be able to then look after myself better and then be a better mother, wife, friend to my family and therefore I have a better relationship with them. So I don't necessarily put them first. Um, and I don't know if that's a bad thing. It's a bit like that money conversation. Yeah, I was Should we have family? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's because there is a lot of cultural, you know, oh, we should. But, you know, as you say, your family are important to you and, and you have excellent relationship with them, but they're not in the top five or three of your values. And that's okay. And I think that's really important to, to, yeah. to acknowledge it. And that's okay. It doesn't, it's not good or not bad. It just is. I think for me, because it's a bit of a spectrum thing, at the very worst of that spectrum of having families, I, I don't want to teach my daughters um, that they should put everybody else first all the time. And I don't want to teach my sons that, that the partners they spend their life with have to put everybody else first before themselves all the time. That doesn't mean we need to come first all the time it doesn't mean I need to come first all the time but I'm certainly feeling uh, I, I'm certainly proud of myself in that I have enough self-awareness that I can 
that I, that I can know when I'm not being self-caring and then I can stop. And, and you'll have to forgive me in this because um, you can hear some background music, the music noise as the centre starts to fill up. It's a great space. Um, uh, yeah, so, so I, I have enough self-awareness to know that I'm perhaps not looking after myself enough and therefore I don't have the ability to to commit to family as strongly as I should. So therefore I'll take myself away and say, right, me time and yeah. then our time. Yeah, so that's, I guess that's a long way of saying that we start off adopting the values of the people around us, um, but it's a really important part of our evolution to um, assess regularly how our values may have evolved and how we've evolved. And therefore, we can start to look for the companies and the people and the opportunities that align with those values. We may reassess our friendships, we may reassess our careers, we may reassess um, our projects and our ventures uh, because we naturally tend to thrive and evolve faster when we're working in alignment with our values. Yeah. So how does that that then translate into the centre itself? Like you've got a stack of different businesses operating in there, some of whom will have different values, many of whom have different cultural backgrounds, many have different business segments. How do you get them? What's the impact of that? Well, I mean, we're a values-driven company, so the board very early, in fact, the first thing they did before the centre was complete was identify the values of the company and and the values that were important to the team at the time uh, and, the, and the board. Um, and so for, you know, for example, diversity is one of the values that the, that the, um, that the team and the centre uh, enjoy and, and talk about. Leadership, leadership is about having a look it's about it's about identifying a common vision and so for the eibc common vision is is innovation making the world a better place perhaps disruption um it's about could definitely about community um so it's about identifying the vision but having the self-awareness to know that not everybody takes the same journey to get to that vision and our primary role here is to allow a bottom-up driven approach to have the enough tools so people can find clarity on what is their vision or what is what are their values. Um, so ready tools so that they can say, I need this right now. And then once they've got that understanding, enough um, opportunities for them to then accelerate. So whether that's mentoring, whether that's training, whether it's access to people who provide finance, um, it's quite possibly um, just knowing who to talk to next in their journey who may have or an entrepreneur who's already been there and says, oh, yeah, I did this, this, and this. I think you should do that. So for us, it's about holding that clear vision but allowing people to get where they need to go however they need to get there. Right. That Rather be, than a top-down church. Go on, yeah. Because yeah. yep. you must be one of the few businesses where if you truly succeed, you lose customers. Because yes. your, your whole idea is let's have these, these uh, what may start as micro businesses or fledgling businesses or startups, yeah. get yeah. them to the point where they're like, I'm sorry, I'm too big for the center now. I have to go yeah. and rent my own place and spread my wings and fly. How do you, yes. how do you deal with that? Because you've had a couple of businesses that I know of do that. It's, it must be a double-edged sword because all of a sudden you're losing valued members of the committee we're not permanently losing them but they're not there there so how does that success yeah. and and loss combo feel 
losing 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 commercial clients but gaining alumni i guess is a great way to look at it yeah. um i think having having a really steady uh funnel of people who are just waiting to get in waiting to um engage in the center or, or waiting from the point of view that they're just not quite ready but they're working really hard so they can be ready whether that's financially or emotionally or or you know they might have a full-time job and they're waiting to transition or whatever it is um so having a really strong funnel so that it's not a feeling of oh my gosh i just lost you uh it's going to hurt me is really important um for for me and for the center um but also it's the celebration that someone has accelerated and that they're thriving and it's a it's a really great day when a tenant comes to me and says i have to move on it is i'm so excited for you because it means that you are thriving and and in whatever small part we played in that is is part of that celebration and and does that have a positive impact on other businesses who are there as well because they're like oh wow look they've grown and i'm i'm here and i can be next kind of deal yeah absolutely and and so that's where i said you gain an alumni network or you you gain you gain a new mentor in in a sense because it's somebody that the rest of the community can access uh to say well how did you how did you manage this block point or or what did you do when you hit this hurdle or do you not really have clarity could you help me get clarity here so in a sense we gain experts and that's yeah. very cool cool hey now recently i know you went over to the uk and to europe on a tour to talk to other centers or to find out from other centers some of the successes that they've had and how you can apply it i'm really interested in some of the research that you heard about or some of the things you heard around the co-working space and the positive impacts of co-working space because a lot of the people who might listen to this show uh, are most likely small micro businesses looking to take that next step etc so what sort of what sort of benefits are there to co-working spaces it's it's really interesting. So we, we went to Cambridge to study the um, the development and uh, the elements of entrepreneurial ecosystems under the Techno Policy Network, which is model, which is um, based around universities and institutions and governments and um, individuals and enterprise coming together, um, and how everybody can work together. And there were nine regions. Uh, who came together to really to discuss the strengths and weaknesses of those entrepreneurial ecosystems. And one of the pieces of a very strong entrepreneurial ecosystem is a co-working space and innovation acceleration space uh, and, and, the, and allowing the professional services that, that, um, uh, that support them to be part of that as well. So, I learned that we are an important piece in the puzzle in the entrepreneurial ecosystem that is the Clayton Cluster or the Monash Cluster or um, the Monash uh, Council region. Uh, and, uh, but I also learned that it's a bit like a bag of apples. There's a whole lot of different apples in, a, you know, in the class of apples. Um, and that knowing your strengths is really, really important because no one place can do it all. And that's really interesting because there's a lot of discussion about ideas are cheap and it's execution that's important. Um, and uh, and that, that people who, you know, perhaps seed investors even, uh, are saying you can have a, an average idea but an amazing team and you can bring that together. And, he, and if you have... Um, uh, a, a business owner 
or a lifestyle business owner or a person who very much wants to run their business all on their own and they're wearing all of these hats, um, they tend to burn out. They tend to avoid the things they're not good at and, and they tend to get a little, they tend to dilute everything. And so it's a bit like that with co-working centres. If you try and be all things to all people, you dilute, um, you burn out because you're constantly running around trying to, you know, do a whole lot of different things. So one of the things I learned is how important it is to niche. Now, having said all of that, if I was a co-working space in the city, uh, I would absolutely have to niche, whether I was niching in uh, medium businesses, whether I'm niching in, uh, for example, the one in Cambridge we saw that they were building, incredible 25 million pound um, uh, co-working space. Uh, it is, they are not accepting professional services. They are only tech businesses that are innovating and accelerating. So, um, now that I'm kind of regional, I'm not really regional, and Mulgrave is a suburb of Melbourne after all, but I'm sitting on the fringe of what's happening in the CBD, I then, it's really important to us as a company to find our niche, but also to provide enough services so that we don't exclude anybody. Because part um, of your, so did that answer your question? Part of your niche is <laughs> geographical, isn't it? Like, because it's yes. like you, you are regional, like you are the Eastern Innovation Business Centre, so it is from that that Mulgrave, Glen Waverley, Monash area down towards the peninsula is sort of the focus in terms of your your catchment area for want of a better term. Well, that that and the fact that the build was built, we were built with funding from the federal government, the state government and nine of the local, what was called the Melbourne Southeast Group of Councils. So um, we are a regional innovation centre for, you know, we've got people coming from Yarra, from Yarra Ranges, from um, from Manningham, from Frankston, from Dandenong, Kingston. And we're running events here in collaboration. You know, we, the last event we ran was sponsored by four councils coming together, Kingston, Frankston, Monash and Knox. So um, we, we do have a large catchment area, which of course means if we niche too much, we'll we won't be useful to a big segment of the innovation community. Yeah. So yeah. there's a balance to be found. Yeah. yeah. Now we're, we're getting to the, to the end, but before we go, I just want to find out some of the, um, some of the tenants that you've got and what are some of the things that they do? Cause I know you've got a, a vast range from uh, in, in the past, you've had brokers, insurance agents, but you've also got um, people who are doing, drone inspections of of uh windmill farms and you've had hr experts who are some of the tenants that you currently have and what do they do just really sort of quick high level well we've got we've got somebody building a medtech product that's going to revolutionize um, urology um, and it's in clinical trials we've got hr looking at disruptive consulting models we've got um we've got a um a marketer and a web expert building um potentially uh, the first successful pay on demand, no, sorry, pay on results marketing program, which would be amazing. Um, we've got guys working on um, education and peer uh, rated education, online education, which is incredible. Uh, a new tenant has um, just come in that's working on software for automated vehicles. We've got um, people working on 3D print. We've got people working on crowdfunding of commercial finance. Um, the list goes on. We've got guys working on construction technology. 
and and we've got we've got a, a highly successful business in here working on prefabricated construction, um, who are just accelerating and winning you know government contracts, um, doing exceptionally well. Um, so that's just a snapshot. There's a, there's why we've got an engineer in here that specialises in uh, switchboards. So he builds switchboards. He helps people build switchboards. This is you know for mining and all this stuff. But he's also working on projects to work on the switching for heart valves. Right. So, yeah, I know. How cool is that? Um, so he's been working on um, some projects for that as well. So we've just got, yeah, some amazing, amazing people. And, and part of the reason that you have such diversity of tenant is because you have diversity of services because you've got, like, um, I'm currently talking to you and you're in a little meeting booth, which is, uh, well, it's not soundproof. It's, like, sound reduced. You've also... Yes. Wet labs, dry labs, meeting rooms, hot desks, traditional offices, all that sort of fun stuff. So you have some great services, don't you? Uh, we do. Um, yeah, I think you, you just about you just about covered all. And meeting rooms, I guess, and boardrooms and meeting rooms is probably the only thing. Maybe you might have said that. Um, yeah, we do. We have a wide range of services and flexible spaces. Um, so it means that that for most people, they can find a space that yep. is. Uh, that will help them thrive. Uh, I love it. Honestly, I, some for the last 13 months, every day I've got up and thought I was born to be here. Yeah. You talk about, you know, how much impact does our family have or whatever, and, and I talked about what are the markers of success. Um, if I take a holistic view of my life and I look at where I am now, it feels like absolutely everything I've done has led to this. Yeah, it's, right. and I'm so excited for the future for the region. <laughs> Hey, if Danielle, if people want to find out more about the EIBC and get in touch with you, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, we'd love to take them on a tour. We've got an amazing team, eibc.net.au uh, is our website. Um, you can pretty much track me down on almost any form of uh, social media. In fact, I re-downloaded Snapchat last night, so um, that means I'm probably all the forms of social media. <laughs> Catch me through LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, um, Danielle Story, uh, or um, anything related to EIBC and hashtag EIBCAU. So um, I would be more than happy to connect with anybody all around the world to, um, uh, so that we can help them thrive as well. Great. Thank you so much for your time today, Danielle. Warwick, you're amazing. Thank you. <laughs> You've been listening to another episode of the Get More Success Show. I'm your host, Warwick Mary. I look forward to your company and next time. Thanks for listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick Mary. Continue the conversation with other successful people over at getmoresuccess.com. That's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our Facebook group that we'd love for you to join. Getmoresuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Merry. Thanks for listening and we hope you can get more success.